30. <laughs> Wait a second. I don't think so. 12. And what need is there of many words? Exactly. Uh, if, if I were to recount all the profit and fruit which God's word produces, whence would I get enough paper and time? The devil is called the master of a thousand arts. But what shall we call God's word, which drives away and brings to naught this master of a thousand arts with all his arts and power? It must indeed be the master of more than a hundred thousand arts. And shall we frivolously despise such power, profit, strength, and fruit, we especially who claim to be pastors and preachers? If so, we should not only have nothing given us to eat, but be driven out, being baited with dogs and pelted with dung, because we not only need all this every day as we need our daily bread, but must also daily use it against the daily and unabated attacks and lurking of the devil, the master of a thousand arts. And so uh, if I don't do my job, you can throw animal manure at me. <laughs> it's basically what he said there. Page 11, paragraph 14. I, was able to, I, saw, I saw Don at uh, the, the funeral luncheon earlier. I said, hey, come on in. Whenever you show, you show up, grab a beer. But he's beerless. We've got to take care of that problem. Help yourself, Don. You whatever. Uh, can someone read 14 for me? And if this were not sufficient to admonish us to read the Catechism daily, yet we should feel sufficiently constrained by the command of God alone, who solemnly enjoins in Deuteronomy 6 that we should always meditate upon his precepts, sitting, walking, standing, lying down, and rising, and have them before our eyes and in our hands as a constant mark and sign. Doubtless he did not so solemnly require and enjoin this without a purpose, but because he knows our danger and need, as well as the constant and furious assaults and temptations of the devil, he wishes to warn, equip, and preserve us against them, as with a good armor against their fiery darts, and with good medicine against their evil infection and suggestion. That's a great way to think of it too, just that he's given us this wonderful, this, this wonderful antidote. Um, so we're, we're always infected by these problems. And like, it's, it's hard, like for, for um, this is like counseling 101 for, for those who are tempted in certain ways. So like, if, if, Whenever you're confessing your sins, it's always like um, your language or you're speaking evil of people or whatever. Um, fill up your lips with the Lord's Prayer more often because it's harder to, to say evil things about your neighbor when you just got done saying the Lord's Prayer, right? So these are all practical things, but it's helpful, uh, helpful reminders. Um, 15, oh, what mad senseless fools are we? But while we must ever live and dwell among such mighty enemies as the devils are, we nevertheless despise our weapons and defense and are too lazy to look at or think of them. And what else are such superstitious? <laughs> Anybody know what that means? Proud. Proud. Proud, supercilious, presumptuous saints, and are unwilling to read and study the catechism daily doing then esteeming themselves much more learned than God himself with all his saints, angels, patriarchs, prophets, apostles, and all Christians. For inasmuch as God himself is not ashamed to teach these things daily as knowing nothing better to teach and always keeps teaching the same thing and does not take up anything new or different, 
And all the saints know nothing better or different to learn and cannot finish learning this. Are we not the finest of all fellows to imagine? If we have once read or heard it, that we know it all and have no further need to read and learn, but can finish learning in one hour what God himself cannot finish teaching? Although he is engaged in teaching it from the beginning to the end of the world and all prophets together with all saints have been occupied with learning it and have ever remained pupils and must continue to be such. That's an interesting flip too. So it's like, God, so God's always teaching through these things, but you think that you're done learning? <laughs> Wait a second. That's convicting. Can someone read 17? Since I mispronounced supercilious, you're all, you're all gun shy now. I lowered the bar for you all. Mm -hmm. For it needs, for it needs, must be that whoever knows the Ten Commandments perfectly must know all the scriptures, so that in all affairs and cases he can advise, help, comfort, judge, and decide both spiritual and temporal matters, and is qualified to sit in judgment upon all doctrines, estates, spirits, laws, and whatever else is in the world. And what indeed is the entire soldier? but thoughts and exercises upon the first commandment. Now I know of the truth that such lazy function <laughs> You don't understand a single sound. <laughs> this is priceless. <laughs> Much less the entire holy scriptures, and yet they pretend to know and despise the catechism which is a compound and brief summary of all the Holy Scriptures. If that wasn't a great example of why Luther's fun to read, I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, but so that's some helpful advice there at the top of, at the first, in, in, in paragraph 17, that um, knowing the Ten Commandments kind of gives us this insight into helping and all, in judging and spiritual and temporal <laughs> matters. It's just, Basic good advice. Don't steal. Why? Because stuff doesn't belong to you. Don't say bad stuff about people. Why? It's just, it's dumb. <laughs> like this, is like, <laughs> this is basic, you know, basic counsel. It's, it's, it's in a very secular way. Being grounded in the Ten Commandments is still very helpful. 19. Therefore, I again implore all Christians, especially pastors and preachers, not to be doctors too soon and imagine that they know everything. For imagination and cloth unshrunk and false weights fall far short of the measure, but that they daily exercise themselves well in these studies and constantly treat them. Moreover, that they guard with all care and diligence against the poisonous infection of such security and vain imagination but steadily keep on reading, teaching, learning, pondering, and meditating, and do not cease until they have made a test and are sure that they have taught the devil to death and have become more learned than God himself and all his saints. So you can stop studying these basics when you think you're smarter than God. If they manifest such diligence, then I will promise them, and they shall also perceive what fruit they will obtain and what excellent men God will make of them, so that in due time they themselves will acknowledge that the longer and more they study the catechism, the less they know of it, and the more they find yet to learn. And then only as hungry and thirsty ones will they truly relish that which now they cannot endure because of great abundance and satiety 
To this end, may God grant his grace. Amen. And that's, that's so true with knowledge. Like you get, so here's a seminary experience for you. You grow up in whatever your church is, and you think you're pretty good at Christianity, my, Lutheranism, according to my limited view of it. So in, in Baptist uh, overwhelmed Mississippi, I was really, I thought I was really good at having one very basic conversation regarding decision theology against Baptist. And that was the extent of my expertise. But because I, I felt like I was confident in that, I'm therefore the smartest pastor there ever was. And then you go to seminary and you start learning a little bit of church history and then a little bit more. And the more you read of, like, this is true for all history, right? The more you read of any subject, you, you, it's like you, you just simply you keep coming more and more aware of all that you don't know. It's like, ah, oh, this is terrible. So the more I studied at seminary, like you come out of seminary knowing less than you came in knowing, <laughs> and yet you know so much more. It just taught you humility, right? So it's like, but this is the, this is the way it is with the Lord's word. So he, it's this great thing that he says. If you study it, just keep studying it more and more. You th- if you think you're a doctor now, good. Just keep studying more and more. And by the end, you'll realize that you're not the doctor you thought you were. And you'll realize how hungry you are to study it all the more regularly. Um, there's a guy named, I listened to an interview in preparation for today on the first commandment, which we're not going to get to. So in preparation for next month, um, Jim Nestigan, who's a his former professor of what is now the ELCA, but he's still a helpful voice with some, some qualifiers. Um, he's like in his 80s now, brilliant um, Lutheran mind. But he was, he was given this interview and he talked about how every morning he takes his dog on a walk and he reflects on the, the catechism. And the interviewer asked him, like, what do you mean by that? So he says the Ten Commandments and he thinks about them. This guy is... He translated, he's, he's the historian that wrote some of the premier, he, he, I think he translated one of these, um, uh, one of the catechism translate, or uh, Book of Nestigan. Concord, Jim Nestigan. Yeah, he's in his 70s still. 70s? I over, I dated I you. <laughs> so he's just, he's just brilliant scholar, and yet he's, he's now in his, as he's older, and you think he's, he's like amassed all the knowledge that there is, He's like, no, every day I reflect on the Ten Commandments and, and always find that there's more to, more to learn because he keeps changing, right? All right, anything on our, uh, on our preface to the preface? Is that the technical, the long preface? <laughs> That's right. That's a great, so it's interesting how that works because you're, you're like, you reach a point, if, you, if you're into exercising, like you do it every day and you do it every day because you're supposed to do it every day. And then all of a sudden, like you can get to this point where when you don't do it, you actually feel terrible. Um, and that's true. For, <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and, well, then. And even so, I would say so. The muscle memory—that's certainly true, because it's there for you whenever you need it. But it's also so. It's not just that. To, to push it even a step further would be that it's daily. It's it's actually daily, um, not just reinforcing the record uh, lines in my brain, but it's also convicting the the sinner. Like it's killing daily, killing the, the old Adam, and it's pulling my will closer in line with God's will in the sense that, I mean, when you pray the Lord's Prayer every day and you're always thinking about our Father in heaven, our Father, my Father, who's, who loves me as a Father, who's in heaven, where's heaven? Well, it's not like way, way, way. It's, it's wherever Jesus is, so he's near to me. He loves me, he forgives all my sins. He's made me holy by his name. He's forgiven me all my sins. He knows what's best for me so I can pray thy will be done in whatever situation I'm facing. So when I've got thy will be done on my lips all the time, I can't help but think thy will be done all the time in my daily life. So to go through life knowing that, that your God loves you, he's all powerful and he's working all things out for your good, that's like walking through the parking lot as a three-year-old holding dad's hand, knowing that I'm gonna be okay. There's a car coming, but dad, he's gonna pull me out of the way if I need you know, he knows He's got me, right? Good. Short preface, over time here. Oh, yeah, half an hour, beautiful. Page 15. This sermon is designed and undertaken that it might be an instruction for children and the simple-minded, like Chris. (laughs) 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 Hence of... Hence of old, it was called in Greek catechism, i.e. instruction for children. What every Christian must needs know so that he who does not know this could not be numbered with the Christians, not be admitted to any sacrament, just as a mechanic who does not understand the rules and customs of his trade is expelled and considered incapable. Therefore, we must have the young learn the parts which belong to the catechism or instruction for children well and and fluently and diligently exercise themselves in them and keep them occupied with them. So, so he's obviously got an eye toward teaching the, teaching the children, but it's like he's teaching the teachers with this document for the purpose of teaching the children. And just, I mean, so, and also the simple-minded or unlearned, not, not in an insulting sense, but in the when it comes to the things of the faith, if you're to, to talk to a, your non-Christian neighbor, is, is simple-minded according to the, the gospel. So to be able to, to confess the basics to those who are in need of the basics, that's what this is about. Yes, Chris, insult me. Um, what's the mechanic do in Luther's time? <laughs> <laughs> they work on the press. I understand you'd ask such a question because you are simple-minded after all. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the curiosity. Good. Um, he's actually going to swing back around. Um, now, we'll, I'll, I'll say that in a second. Uh, paragraph four. Therefore, it is the duty of every father of a family. That's why the intro in the small catechism is as the head of the, 
head of the household should teach his children. The duty of every father of a family to question and examine his children and servants at least once a week and to ascertain what they know of it or are learning. And if they do not know it, to keep them faithfully at it. For I well remember the time indeed, even now it is a daily occurrence that one finds rude old persons who knew nothing and still know nothing of these things and who nevertheless go to baptism in the Lord's Supper and use everything belonging to Christians, notwithstanding that those who come to the Lord's Supper ought to know more and have a fuller understanding of all Christian doctrine than children and new scholars. However, for the common people, we are satisfied with the three parts. Here it is. The, so the, for, for basic Christian understanding, these three parts, which have remained in Christendom from of old, though little of it has been taught and treated correctly until both young and old, who are called and wish to be Christians, are well-trained in them and familiar with them. These are the following. The Ten Commandments. Secondly, the chief articles of our faith, the creed. And third, page 18, the Lord's Prayer. I just covered so much ground by skipping those things. <laughs> Ironically, I skipped the very thing that Luther said to say every day. Because we're better. Yeah, we we've, we've come so far that we need not... <laughs> I know, that's right. That's actually my logic. Uh, read it on your own before you go to bed tonight. 15. These are the most necessary parts which one should first learn to repeat word for word and which our children should be accustomed to recite daily when they arise in the morning, when they sit down to their meals, when they retire at night. And until they repeat them, they should be given neither food nor drink. That is an effective tool of my children. I'm not even joking. Ask my girl. In the morning, I was staring at their plate. I say, all right, Ten Commandments. Uh, can I just do the first five? All right. And Everly, classic Everly, no. All right, fine. I'll give your food to the dogs. No, 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 no. <laughs> Likewise, every head of household is uh, ob obliged to do the same with respect to his domestics, manservants and maidservants, and not to keep them in his house so they do not know these things and are unwilling to learn them. For a person who is so rude and unruly as to be unwilling to learn these things is not to be tolerated. For in these three parts, everything that we have in the scriptures is comprehended in short, plain, and simple terms. That is, if someone's living in your house and working in your house and doesn't believe in your God or the sixth commandment, are you not concerned? I mean, this is why the, the speech that I give to our youth when they're looking for like, oh, just, I'm just a 15-year-old, like looking to like early dating. Well, so if you're just, I don't care about what they believe. I'm only 15. I'm not going to marry the guy. But if you're dating some 15-year-old guy who doesn't believe in your God and doesn't have the same moral basis as you, why do you think he's going to respect you? Uh, so at least... You want the people who are work, living in your house to have this basic understanding of right and wrong, good and evil, who God is. That's helpful. For the holy fathers, or, 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 I mean, or thou shalt not steal. Who, who, to hire a socialist, is to hire someone who you're asking to steal from you. Because there is no personal property. Yes, that's recorded. I don't care. <laughs> For the holy fathers or apostles, whoever they were, have this embraced in a summary, the doctrine, life, wisdom, and art of Christians of which they speak and treat and with which they are occupied. Now, 
When these three parts are, are apprehended, it behooves a person also to know what to say concerning the sacraments, which Christ himself instituted, baptism, and the holy body and blood of Christ, namely the text which Matthew 28 and Mark 16 recorded at the close of the Gospels when Christ said farewell to his disciples and sent them forth as he ascended into heaven. All right, uh, before, we, before we hit of baptism, a quick note on um, the, when it comes to the catechesis of children. So, so the, the, the analogy that he gave in here, or not the analogy, but the, the way he put it was, um, you've got these people who are coming to church regularly, taking part in the sacraments and all the stuff of the church, and don't even have the most primitive understanding of the, the catechism. That is the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, and the Creed. Um, so then, what then would be the basis? For, so we commune these people. Is that still true today? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, do people come to the rail to commune who cannot tell me the Ten Commandments? What do you think the percentage is? 95? No. To, to be able to recite the Ten Commandments. Think everybody in this room is saying, oh, nine and ten are kind of fuzzy. So, so, now, so now back up. What, so what then is the criteria for communion for children? Currently, what do we ask of them? They know, but it's not just those things. The meanings. They got to know the meaning. They got to have knowledge. They have to learn all these things, memorize all this stuff, be able to recite all these things. And then I turn to the parents and ask them the same stuff. And what do they say? Uh, right. And I say all this because we are we're in the process of lowering the communion age. So Bethany had this. Um, we added it at fifth grade for years and years, and it just the pro the breakdown was we weren't we weren't as like careful of who we allowed into that. We just started commuting people whenever, whenever the parents said, I want my kids to commune in fifth grade, even though they never came to church and never came to Bible study before, now it's going to magically occur. We commute them in fifth grade. The kids never came back or when they just, they never learned, they never came to confirmation, never came to Sunday school. And it just wasn't, it, it, it was a failure of, of implementation. So we did away with that program, returned to the the, the 20th century, mid-20th century implemented Missouri Synod way of 7th and 8th grade. But everybody, uh, educators, pastors, we all agree that having confirmation in 8th grade is not good because the kids already in 8th grade, they kind of stop caring. They're going through this weird, this, this weird period in their lives where they don't care as much. Um, and they're graduating from elementary school or middle school and moving on to high school. So they associate... Um, confirmation with graduation, and we're done with this thing, and they're moving on. Whereas, time and time again, you got these young kids, like the, 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 we're moving our acolytes to younger. If you're wondering why we're making these really super short kids try to reach these really tall candles, <laughs> it's because third graders and fourth graders are more excited to do it than the tall kids. So when a little kid runs up to you and said, Pastor, can I please put out the candles? And I ask an older kid, and they're like, who do you want to ask? It's the same way when it comes to the faith. So the, the more, so these little kids have what Jesus commends as the faith of a child. child. 
which is not doubting, but firmly believing these things. And so if a kid, so that the way that we're going to be, we're rolling it out in the... Um, the elders approved it, and now it's just a matter of implementation. So we're, if, if the kids can come to the pastors and say to us, the Apostles' Creed, the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, the words of institution, and then some really basic things like, what is baptism? Are you a sinner? Some really basic things. Then we're going to allow them into this class. We're going to offer probably 10 weeks on Sunday after late service, which is incredibly inconvenient for everyone. But if you care enough, then you'll be here. So just think we're just, we're chopping off the people who qualify for this right and left. So you have to be able to say all these things. You have to have your parents stick around after church on a Sunday. You have to have the attention span to be able to endure that after being in church all day. You have to be regular in Sunday school and Bible study in church. If you're not, you're not coming. So we're just chop. So the, so the, but we do have these kids who are asking me now for the Lord's Supper. And they can give me a better answer. In fact, if you ask Pastor, I think it was Bartons was there. And I had a couple, I had two acolytes. One was like in high school and one was in elementary school. And um, she's asking, when can I have the Lord's Supper? She's asking for what Jesus wants me to give her. And I want to give it to her so bad. So I asked her some really bad, well, you got to learn more stuff. What do I need to learn? Uh, so I give her a couple of things and she answers them like, very well. Then I turn to this other kid who's in high school and supposed to know it. He's commuting regularly and asking him the same question. He couldn't answer it. Uh, <laughs> he's commuting. So we think about how what, the way that we're approaching confirmation might not, we can could, we could probably rethink it, right? So um, that's going to be our, in the next year, you're going to see a lot younger people next to you receiving the Lord's Supper from time to time, and which means we have to crack down our sacristans to stay closer to the pastor's. Because all you know, for the sacristans, you always see all the little kids are always reaching up for what's there because they think it's a snack. Some of them are going to reaching up because they actually believe it's the body and blood of Christ, um, and we're not going to give it to them until they can give that confession. But if they're able to say, "I'm a sinner," it's the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. I know the Ten Commandments. How do you know you're a sinner? Because the Ten Commandments. What's the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. Things rattle these things off. How can I say? Well, it's great you know all this stuff. It's great you believe in Jesus. It's great you don't have all the doubts that we have because we've been exposed to all the atheist attacks. It's great that you so wonderfully believe these things, but we're going to make you wait until you're 14. Why? The devil's not waiting until he's 14. Why are we going to keep back the medicine? So we'll see how it goes. Just so you know, when you start seeing it, you can either attack me or defend me. So those are the, the only two alternatives. <laughs> Page 19 of baptism. Go ye and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. 22. So much is sufficient for a simple person to know from the scriptures concerning baptism. In like manner, also concerning the other sacrament in short, simple words, namely, the words from St. Paul, the words of institution. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he gave it thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper. When he gave it thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For those of you who hate chanting, ask the young children, the words of institution, 
and they can't tell you, and then say, our Lord, and they'll finish it. I've had more than one parent text me, oh, pastor, it's the cutest thing. He was in the bathtub singing. He's holding up his rubber ducky and singing the words of institution. The kid is like four. I'm like, don't send me videos of your kid in the bathtub at four. <laughs> <laughs> True story. But when I mean, the idea is I, this, they remember it. Why? Because they, they remember all the, all the words to Frozen. We're chanting, so song is easier to remember. Uh, 24, thus, oh, so just as a, so remember, so the first three parts, Ten Commandments, Lord's Prayer, Apostles' Creed, are kind of the foundation. And then we get into the, the sacraments. So we start with these, the basics of the faith, and then the sacraments, which Luther hammers on harder, because what's happening at the time of the Reformation is the, um, what's called the, um, the enthusiasts, or we're all, you, you get all the sacramental confusion happening. Now, there were some, some critiques Luther is certainly giving to the Roman Catholic Church regarding the Lord's Supper and baptism, to be sure. But the enthusiasts that came in the midst of the Reformation were saying, you have to be rebaptized, or that the Lord isn't actually doing anything in baptism. The Lord's Supper is just a symbol, like t- totally different approaches to the sacraments. So he's going he's gonna to double down on the importance of teaching the, the basics of the, of the sacraments. But focusing on the Lord's Supper for the forgiveness of sins is not helpful for you if you don't think you have any sins. Hence the Ten Commandments. So we start with the Ten Commandments. You got to have the x-ray before you know where to put the cast, right? Can someone read 26? However, it is not enough for them to comprehend and receive these parts according to the words only. But the young people should also be made to attend and to attend the preaching, especially during the time which is devoted to the catechism, that they may hear it, explain, and may learn it to understand what every part contains, so as to be able to recite it as they have heard it. And when asked, may give a correct answer so that the preaching may not be without profit and fruit. For the reason why we exercise such diligence in preaching the catechism so often is that it may inculcate it in a, on our youth, not in a high and subtle manner, but briefly and with the greatest simplicity so as to enter the mind readily and be fixed in the memory. Therefore, we shall now take up the above-mentioned articles one by one and in the plainest manner possible, say about them as much as is necessary. And we get to the Ten Commandments. Uh, so, what one like pedagogical or like educational approach is always like, we, we want the kids not just to know the stuff, not just to memorize the stuff, but we want them to understand it, right? So really, if we can just teach them the basic ideas in the text, that's all, well, no. So you can't understand what you don't know. So step one education is always just learning it. So if you'll, your, your experience, I'm sure, has been this way, and this is the experience of all the children in the church, and in catechesis, it's the same way. We teach them to memorize the commandments. They, obviously, they don't know what adultery means. It's really getting to be fun at breakfast when Annabelle says, Mom, what's adultery? <laughs> uh, well, so 
so marriage, the marriage is good. God, God gave us marriage as a gift. And marriage, so you, you give the, the interpretation on the level that the kid can understand. Um, but they, she didn't ask that question until like now. She's six. But she knew the sixth commandment years ago. So you, the idea is she couldn't ask me what is adultery until she actually knew that that was something that was bad. So I know stealing is bad. I know saying mean stuff is bad and pushing people down is bad, like these simple things. But so I want to make sure God's saying don't do these other things. I want to know what they are, right? So you have to understand, you have to know it. You have to, you have to learn it before you can unfold it. And so we teach the basics by repetition. Catechism comes from the Greek here again. So we repeat it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. The Lord's Prayer again and again and again. And we spend the rest of our lives learning it. So Luther was big on memory. In fact, um, a, lot of his, um, a lot of his writing about, around the time of the catechism was about equipping like schools, the Christian schools and churches and teaching not just the young, but because he's, he's critiquing everyone in the congregation to know these things. So um, yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's a humbling reminder of how important these things are for us to repeat. So give, give it a go, right? So, uh, every day when you wake up in the morning, uh, make the sign of the cross, even if you don't want to, because you think it's Catholic and you, you'd be wrong about that. Um, the sign of the cross was made on you when you were baptized. So remember that you're baptized and that the devil runs at the cross and, uh, and, and go through the Ten Commandments and rejoice in what, in what God has given you as a gift in the Ten Commandments. So he's my God, that he's put his name on me, that he calls me back here every week and forgives my sins, that he's put me in a family, uh, he protects my life, right? So, so re, re, you can rejoice in those things in the Ten Commandments, reflect on that, f- go through the Lord's Prayer. What a great way to start the day, right? And then go about your, go about your day. Yeah, Chris? Oh, what's adultery? <laughs> <laughs> We should fear and love God so that we... So the Sixth Commandment's helpful in this. So every commandment, and we'll get, we'll get into the commandments next week, but I think this is a helpful, like, as, to kind of whet your palate for reading Luther on the, on the Ten Commandments. So the law strikes at us that it's not just telling you what not to do. Don't... So we, we think about the, the rules at the pool all say things not to do. Don't run, don't have glass objects, no horseplay. It's all, it's all no, 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 no. Um, so you don't, so the, the Ten Commandments, yes, it, it's giving us the no's, and it's giving us the no's for the same reason that there's no running at the pool. Not because God's no fun, but because running at the pool could end with you dead in the water or broken glass all over the place, right? So, uh, the, the Ten Commandments are given to us as good gift to protect us from ourselves, but also sets before us God's order for what is good. So don't do this bad thing. Do this good thing instead. So all, as, you, as you think through the small catechism and as he unfolds in the large catechism, for example, in the, in the sixth, well, I'll use the fifth commandment on murder. So fear and love God so that we don't hurt or harm our neighbor in his body. So don't do this. But, other side, 
help and support him in every physical need. So don't do this bad thing, do this good thing. So just because you haven't murdered anyone lately, the law convicts us that we haven't helped our neighbor as we should. But not just condemning, it's certainly the, purpose, the primary purpose of the law, but it also sets before us the way to live, the way to love our neighbor. We don't hurt them, we help them. So yes, it should convict me for my failure to help my neighbor, but it also tells me today I'm set, God's giving me my neighbor to help them, right? The sixth commandment is the only different one. And this is a, so beautiful. And Luther in his brilliance, because so, every teenager comes to you asking for the line. Where, when does it become adultery? What can I do? Not for me, of course. Someone else, a friend of mine is asking, right? And so it's like Luther's, it's like Luther's been teaching children because he says, it doesn't say don't do this. He says we should fear and love God so that we lead. It's only positive so that we lead a sexually pure and decent life in all that, all that we say and do, and husband and wife love and honor each other, right? So of course it extols and upholds marriage, but it also sets before me to, simply to lead what is a sexually pure and decent life in all that I say and do, right? It's beautiful. Luther's brilliant. Um, yeah, any thoughts on that? I mean, it's fruitless for us to get into the first commandment tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so in that sense, the law is written on their hearts that they're living, they're loving their neighbor and all that they're doing. So the idea of murder, the idea of stealing and speaking evil, just wasn't on the radar uh, for them. And, but then also the Ten Commandments were there for Cain who killed Abel, even though he didn't have it on stone, right, until Moses. So the Ten Commandments of what God has said before us is certainly written on our hearts. But um, so yeah, yeah, so I, I think it's, it's, it's fun to read Luther, as Don reminded us. <laughs> it's fun. Um, so if you, get, if you didn't get a chance, I apologize for not getting through. Do not be intimidated by the Ten Commandments. So the, 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 the bulk of the large catechism is the Ten Commandments. In fact, it, it's like, um, so all the way to page 100. So from page 21 to 100, so that much, over half, is just the Ten Commandments. So there's a lot to apply. And then he hits the Apostles' Creed qu quicker and the sacraments even shorter than that. So don't think that, man, the, large, the first commandment took forever. Well, once we get that, we'll talk about this next week. The first, everything flows from that, the, get, getting the first commandment right. And if you miss the first commandment, everything else is obviously going to fall like dominoes because... All the other commandments line up perfectly behind the first commandment, defending and protecting it. So if your God is, as the first commandment says, if, if my God is money, then I'm willing to do, I'm willing to line up my morality behind extolling that God. So I'll murder to get more money. I'll steal to get more money. I'll hurt reputations to get more money. If my pride is my God, 
I'll murder to protect my pride. I'll, speak, I'll certainly speak evil to protect my pride, right? So the commandments all just to, to appease your God or to be in line with what your God wants of you. So when your God is a living and true God, then all the other commandments line up. So you get the first commandment right and then the rest line up behind him. Yeah, Chris. Right. So the desire for me to be God is the first commandment, or is, is, is ultimately uh, Adam and Eve's mistake, is that I want to be like God, knowing good and evil. What God said, here's what's good, I know what's best for you. For us as Christians to say, amen, yes, thank you, I'll have some more. Um, instead, the sinful flesh rejects it and says, no, God's holding out on me. And that's the, that's the lie of the devil. God's holding out on you. Um, there's better over here. And that's every sin. So that this, I'll do this thing. Right. And so we don't. And, we, and, and where we know that, so the, where the law condemns us of that, it, so we go running back to God with our guilt and shame. But then in our arrogance, so this is the, the prodigal son who comes running back to, to, to the father for forgiveness. You also have the older brother, which we are often, to say, I am not like that guy. And that's the Ten Commandments also hits us and says, you are not loving your neighbor as you should. You're not speaking kindly as you should. And if you think you are, then you're extra annoying because you actually think that you're without sin. So the law to have its way with us is to always be condemning, but also setting before us what is good and loving of our neighbor. So, um, yeah, it's so the, the Ten Commandments, and, I, and Luther, I don't think, approaches it like this. I'll have to, I don't think so. I just read it this morning. Um, the Ten Commandments are given in what context? When they're first actually given on stone to Mel Brooks, the 15, <laughs> 10 Commandments. <laughs> Where, are they, where, were they, where had they just been? They're in Egypt, and they get led through the promised land. They've been redeemed, set free from slavery. Hey, uh, this is a wonderful thing. I'm your God. You're my people. I saved you from slavery. I redeemed you. You're mine. I'm going to protect you. It's all going to be great. Here's my name. It's a holy name. My name is my presence. I'm with you always. Uh, honor your father and mother. So I'm giving you a family. I'm putting you within the context of a family. Life is good. Don't hurt other people. Be, do, say nice things. Don't say mean things. Don't take people's stuff. Uh, don't, don't want what's not yours. I'm giving you what you need. And every week, come back here, and I'm going to clean you up where you've messed up. Third commandment, right? And they sets before the, his people this beautiful life. And that, the way of looking at the law like that has every commandment as gift. They have this God who has just redeemed his people, and has set before them this wonderful life of loving their neighbor. And it's great. And of course, we fail at that. But that has us thinking about the law in a totally different way than perhaps um, we often grow up thinking, law bad, gospel good. Because the gospel is the good news. That makes the law the bad news. So the law is bad. No, no, so the law is good. The law actually sets before me what God is, knows to be best for me. Don't run at the pool because, not because 
God doesn't want you to have fun, but because running at the pool is ultimately deadly for you and God loves you and wants what's best for you. That's why adultery is bad. The devil's saying it's good. God knows what's best for you. Um, there's a better thing over here. And, and ultimately this promise is going to deliver. But God knows the, the shame of the, the morning after. God knows the, the guilt of, of evil words that are spoken and how you're better off stabbing someone with a knife than saying evil things about them because it's easier to apologize for stabbing them with a knife. That doesn't really hold up. Depends on how you stab them. Maybe the tweezers. Uh, but for, so, so the whole, the actual hurt somebody with it. If you ever, if, if, if you had your name shamed, it's hard to get over that, right? Bodies heal, but my reputation, it's hard. It's hard to just shake that. Think about the the um, the grudges you still hold to this day. Is it because someone pushed you down the playground or because they they said something bad about you? So. Um, so the Ten Commandments said before us what is good for us as Christians, a good life for us to live. And that has us thinking about the law in a different light that, so we can actually live our life and love toward our neighbor. But then also, whenever we actually look at the law and hold it up in front of ourselves, have we actually done it? Of course not. So I need Jesus. But because I have, this is a classic Lutheran mistake. Jesus died for my sins, so I'm gonna do whatever I want to get my sins forgiven as though the law is just like the random haphazard rules with the game of risk or whatever, right? Like it's just, no, these rules are actually protecting me from myself. They're actually good for me. So God's given me these commands as a gift. And where I fail, I often experience the pain of that failure or I've, ex- or I've put that pain on somebody else. And so God's turning us away from that, God. So it's fun going through the Ten Commandments with that. And... Um, and also know that in Luther's, small, Luther's large catechism is where I had the first, my lights went on, my, my Wittenberg or Castle experience was like, uh, the, when you read Luther, he's like, if you do this, God's going to bless you. I'm like, that sounds like Joel Osteen. <laughs> and I had this crisis. Like, I don't know if I'm Lutheran anymore. So I go to Warren Graff, who's my, I was on Vicarage. I've been a seminary for two years. I paid a lot of money into this education. I can't back out now, but I kind of want to back out. I don't know if, I don't want to be Joel Osteen. And he's like, no, the law does promise that if you do it, God will bless you. That's the point. The reason why you don't get the blessing is because you don't actually do it. But the law is do this and you shall live. Don't do this and you will die. So what the theology of glory, with Joel Osteen, what that does is simply takes that same message and applies it as though it's achievable and strips it of the gospel of the forgiveness of sins. So it's you can actually do this. God wants to bless you, do this thing. Versus this is good for you, do it. When you fail, Jesus is going to clean you up. But, but it's actually good to do these things. You see the different approaches to the law altogether? But as you read Luther and Ten Commandments, sometimes you're like, Man, especially in the fourth commandment, the, the honor your father and mother comes with a promise. Remember that what? Long life. Well, it's not that if I honor my father and mother, God's going to take away from me the cancer. That's not the, that's not the idea. The idea is mom and dad say to you, you know what? I know you think you really like that boy, honey, but you're 12 and he's, 
That's bad. You're, you're 15, and he's 22, and he's got tattoos, and he's got his motorcycle. I know you think that motorcycle is really cool, and I know you think it's great for him to take you out at 1 o'clock in the morning with all of his friends, and I know that you're telling me you're not going to be exposed to anything bad, but especially dad's like, I've been 22, and he does not have the best interest in mind for you, so I don't think it's good for you to go out with him, sweetie. Yes, dad, that it may go well with you and you will live long in the land is don't go out with in the middle and don't play in the street during rush hour. This is not good for you. As so parenting starts with that. Why is it Sadie walks up to every socket on the wall? It's like perfectly at eye level and she wants to, why? So I say no, what does she do? Screams. And that doesn't go away apparently until they're like 22. I got a long road ahead, right? Good, very beautiful. Any, any other thoughts? Because I think we're at 9.07. Bedtime. What's that? Let's read, so just do your bed. First catechism, if you want to read ahead, first, catechism, first commandment, second commandment, um, maybe first through five, and we'll just, I, I like this approach. If that's okay with you, we'll just keep kind of reading through and t- taking it as it comes. Um, and we'll finish whenever we finish. So let's read through the first five commandments-ish, and then I'll email. We'll get, I'll, get a, I'll get with Francisco and check our calendars and get the next date on the radar. So I know Advent's coming up. What are we, October right now? So November is still good. I'm travel- I, go, I take my annual pilgrimage to Mississippi in the latter half of November, so it's probably going to be the first two weeks of November, probably the second week of November Probably a Thursday, really narrowing. So, probably the second Thursday in November is likely at this point. But we'll we'll email you as soon as we decide and get an email. What's that? I think it's mathematically impossible for it to be the sixteenth. But we'll email you. Uh, don't worry about it. Let's. Uh, you're right. You're right. I'm, I'm a different band. That's okay. Let's close with Luther's evening prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day, and I pray that you would graciously forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong, and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Have a good night. Grab a pretzel filled with peanut butter for the road. Clay, I was a joy. I gotta hear more of these juvie stories, man. Oh yeah. There's plenty of the clay dirt. I got plenty of them, so. Yeah. Should probably stop the Stop recording. <laughs>